I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. You can also check into my website, cuttingthroughthematrix.com, and Alan Watt Sentient, sentinel.eu. We've just been watching this fiasco in Quebec, while another part of the amalgamation process it takes place. We don't really know all of that which they've signed. Uh, they make sure that we know that they are signing something towards integration and peace and prosperity and security, but they never really elaborate on all the details. It's quite amazing because there's more details given in Canada than in the U.S. They don't want to upset the U.S. citizens too much with the repetition of the European amalgamation taking place here on our own continent. And yet it's been going on for years, in actual fact. And since 2005, the first open meeting, they've been publishing more and more about it. But in reality, the whole deal was drafted up at the end of World War II. And the idea had been around long before World War II among certain aristocracy in the Americas. The agenda for a, a tripartite world a united Far Eastern Pacific Rim area, a united Europe and a united Americas. And that also includes Africa. That's Mandela's job was to unite Africa and get them into the European group eventually. It was, decided, was discussed in the 1800s by Karl Marx and others who lived in London at the time and were kept by the aristocracy and the bankers to write their manifestos, the dialectical process that leads us to amalgamation down the road because all opposites which fight end up compromising into the third way and we have a new way which actually is the, is the, the new thesis to the next part of the ongoing science, ongoing changes, changes which are planned by a dominant minority because they can't allow changes otherwise outside of their grasp to take fruition. Therefore, they actually form the groups which will become their own opposition, which we fight, and we even have wars over them. The fastest way to amalgamate many, many different cultures in Europe was found to be communism. The Soviet system, the empire, as it was called, took many countries under its wing, dominated them, standardized them with the same education and the same political system and apparatus. Therefore, they knew 70 years down the road they could take down the walls and it remained the same because to change people, according to Skinner and others, you alter their immediate environment around them and they adapt to it. I'll be back after these upcoming messages. Hi, folks. Alan Watt back with Cutting Through the Matrix. Just describing how we are altered by alterations within our environment. I used to wonder when I was small why there were so many branches of psychology so heavily financed and why governments and big institutions would be financing them. Because the whole purpose of government is to maintain power over people. And that's when the light goes on and you realize that's the very purpose of it. You have to understand how we all tick. And one of the, the main areas of alteration of 
large groups of people is to introduce things into their environment like the television. The television stopped society acting the way it had before when people talked and conversed, went for walks and met their neighbors and chatted more about what concerned them. It literally silenced the family and then indoctrinated too. That was the purpose of giving us a television. It would never have been given out there if it wasn't for that purpose. If it was a free agent to begin with, and people put on whatever programming they wanted to, uh, we would have gone off in different directions and maybe did a lost control. So they made sure we had the particular type of indoctrination programming, that's why they call it programs, from television, such as detective shows and law enforcement and lawyers and, and hospitals, all the, the made agencies which eventually were decided to take over your parts of your life under authorities, these health authorities, these law authorities and enforcement agencies. That was all propaganda because all fiction is actually propaganda. Now, I think we have Rick from Virginia on the line. Are you there, Rick? Hello, Rick. Are you there? Hello. Yeah. I want to know about uh, Jesus and his relation to Freemasonry. I've been enjoying your excellent uh, ancient history and religion lectures, but it's not clear whether Jesus uh, was an agent of the Freemasons or was he uh, acting against them. Yeah, well... um. What we do know is that regardless, and really that's all we can go by is what we know, not suspect, or, but we do know that the Bibles have always been rewritten down through history. Even the first one that was, that was compiled as an official Bible by the Vaticanus version, which even the New Testament from King James was copied from with more alterations. Each one has had alterations to try and keep the power into the right authorities' hands and make the people obey. So there's very little you can go by because all holy books have been given out for political purposes down through the ages. And we know that King James and his court um, were Rosicrucian, the precursor of what we now call Freemasonry. And they did put an awful lot of uh, symbolism in there. Uh, however, most of the Freemasonry you'll find is taken from the Old Testament. Um, even the system that we live in is contained within the Old Testament and the rules for those that want to succeed above all other people. Slavery is okay. Um, being very cunning and breaking the rules is okay as long as you get away with it and you do it craftily. And so Jacob fools his old father and gets the blessing. So you, it's all the rules of getting ahead in the system contained within the Old Testament primarily. Uh, the New Testament is almost the antithesis of the Old. The Old One is a, a godfather, mafia-type deity, which could be very benevolent or ruthless and sometimes very moody. You wouldn't quite... Sh like a drunken father after a hangover the next morning, you're never quite sure if he's going to hit you or, or hug you. Uh, the New Testament has a, a God of forgiveness and a personal uh, God that you could talk to. So they're, they're two opposing systems because the New Testament was brought in uh, with a lot of Greek uh, uh, Gnosticism brought into it uh, from the deists and, and the, 
and from the Stoics, from Greece, the, the, the old mystery religions are contained within the New Testament if you compare them with the old philosophies of Greece and ancient Egypt. Uh, whereas if you've got a personal journey towards uh, higher levels of consciousness uh, manifesting into uh, a form of godhood, but unfortunately the ones that are alive today and believe in this they think they can be gods while they're still walking around. And no mortal can handle godhood because we've got too many flaws. I hope that helps answer your question. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah. And there's also Sal. Are you there, Sal, from New Jersey? Yes, Alan. Uh-huh. Yeah, how you doing? It's such a pleasure to speak to you. I, I, I thank you for all your, um, uh, you know, I listen to your things and all, and uh, the, uh, great, great uh, knowledge there. Um, could I... Uh, and having utmost respect for you, could I uh, respectfully disagree with you for a moment? Sure. Um, on the thing here, uh, when you say about um, <clears throat> on, uh, concerning Jacob and Esau, mm-hmm. and uh, you said that um, <clears throat> Isaac was, uh, you know, they were acting like, uh, you know, mafiosa. Yeah. Um, I'm just was reading from it, Genesis 25, where, um, where uh, Esau here, uh, came in from the field because he was faint from hunting out in the wilderness. You know, do your brother before he does you. Yeah. And he was faint because he wasn't doing too well because, you know, our father's not going to bless that. So um, uh, Jacob was starting pottage, and uh, Esau says to him, you know, what good's, you know, what good's this uh, birthright doing me now? Yeah. I can't even feed myself. Mm. So, um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, what is showing you, remember, these are not real people. These are allegories. They're all allegories for a system. Now, the high masons are taught the inner meanings, uh, where they call the profane. Those below actually see them as real people, and you visualize them as real people, and you caught up in the story without realizing uh, the meanings behind them. And it is a form of hoodwinking. Rather, uh, regardless of a person's faults or flaws, uh, stealing is stealing. You understand? But if it's done craftily, with good cunning, uh, then it's allowed into the top by the, those at the top. That's what they mean from the Masonic side of it. Now, the other ones who believe they're real people and real stories will argue about the story forever. You understand? Yeah, I'm not talking about Masons. I'm talking about Christianity. <laughs> yeah, even Christianity. But these are stories um, that were repeated long before Judaism as, as um, moral teachings. And uh, every country had them. A lot of the Old Testament was borrowed from India, even. Uh, even the characters in it, even the names are from our old India. Right, right, right. But just, just I, I don't want to, you know, drive you nuts with it, because like I said, I, I respect your opinion uh, immensely. Um, uh, uh, you know, earlier, if you roll back a little bit forward in that chapter, um, uh-huh. you know, Re- Rebecca's asking the Lord, she says, you know, what's going on? She's pregnant with two babies in the womb. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and the Lord said to her, you know, there's two nations. So it's mm-hmm. not two people, it's two nations. And what I see is that makes up America and Russia today. One it's a dialectic. Here. It's a dialectical process. And, when you, and it, right in there is telling you through not just that story, but many other stories of, of the technique of the dialectical process towards power, dominance over others and warfare and, and to use those particular, that part of the knowledge towards your goal, which is enslavement of others eventually. 
I mean, if you really look at the Old Testament, you're looking at a eugenics program. Because that's where all the begatting is about. But who breeds with whom? All done right through there. It's a eugenics program. And we've got to keep that in mind. It's a belief that through eugenically, physically, you have superior people. And that's exactly what all aristocracy the world over since the days of Darwin have publicly come out and admitted to. Right. Right. No, I appreciate that. I was just, uh, with, you know, I was just trying to really, trying to thoroughly understand, which I, which I feel I do, because I feel that, you know, our Father blesses Christian nations and communist nations. He won't bless, and that's, the, to me, what I get from Jacob and Esau. And yeah, if, gonna... if you go by that. However, with the New Testament, which is always thrown out the window, because in America they tend to take mm-hmm. the Old Testament before the New, which is rather strange. But the New Testament was the only way for personal salvation not to go to heaven like a big herd or a posse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, well, could I, but, okay, I, I appreciate, I appreciate that. And one last quick question, because I know you have, you know, a lot of callers and I appreciate your, your opinion and your time so much. Um, uh, on, uh, Jacob, you know how they call it Jacob Israelitism? And, and as far as what I've been studying, if you look at the Union Jack with the cross and the X, yeah. Now, I know maybe there might be a Masonic thing, but to me, uh, in the later part of Genesis, where um, Jacob is blessing Joseph's two boys, mm-hmm. uh, Ephraim and Manasseh, which to me make up Great Britain and America today. No, that's old teachings. It was Actually, that was born in society inside London to make the British Empire believe it was the, they were the lost tribes. It was born literally in a think tank in the 1800s and promoted. Uh, but Jacob means heel cap, ca- uh, catcher. It means someone who steals or catches and pulls someone else back to get to the front. Yeah. Or, or he's contending for the faith, too, our father's favor, too. That's the way I look at it. Everybody knows that the dice are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows Everybody knows the good guys lost Everybody knows the fight was fixed The poor stay poor, the rich get rich That's how it goes Everybody knows Hi folks, I'm back here with Cutting Through the Matrix And uh, the last caller was talking about... um, the Old Testament, and Jacob, or heel catcher, or usurper, as they call it. Uh, what it really is showing you is the, the, the power of intellect and cunning over nature. Uh, that's really all it meant. And that those with intellect and cunning have the right to take over from those of nature, those who are slovenly, uh, silly, um, go by the laws of nature, they're uncouth, etc. Uh, in other words, a very elitist decision, that's all that it really means because the 12 tribes if you look at the blessings that's bestowed upon the different uh, tribes supposedly are just the members of the zodiac in the sky, the eternal story that's uh, recirculated over and over down through time which contain deeper meanings of course for those in the know it's to do primarily with, with human nature and an agenda, the heavenly plan if you understand the zodiac I don't mean uh, magical zodiac, 
as is promoted for the New Age. I'm talking about the basic understanding of, of what it means. You understand the agenda because it starts with Virgo and ends with Leo the Lion. That's how the procession of the Zodiac. That's why the Sphinx has the body of, of a lion in the face of a woman. It's Virgo on the front ending up with Leo behind the lion. That's a complete cycle of the Zodiac. That's nature. That's how it goes. And we live um, in different countries with different religions. Uh, the people who follow the religions generally are good people. You'd find that good Christians, if they're brought up in a good Muslim country with good Muslims, uh, in India, the good Hindus, you eventually uh, test your environment around you by the religion that's given to you, that which answers all the questions. You don't have to figure things out in religion because all the questions have been answered for you. Your, your growth is stunted to an extent. And yet within those religions is a stairway to things above for a very few who can understand it. Most don't see that stairway. I'm not talking about Jacob's Ladder either for the Masons. The Masons are really no higher spiritually than anyone else. You can't get a spiritual life by following formula and doing rituals and having someone explain very basic stuff to you that should have been obvious in the first place. Uh, you can't get it that way. The, the real higher Masons are, are just those who, who've always had control of the material world because they gave us money. They gave us the system of law, which is their system, which is based around the laws of economics because they run the economic system. And this is the war between spirit and matter going on right here. This is the Middle Earth, as they call it, the real one, not the hollow earth that they're going about, written by Buller Lytton. Um, none of that stuff. I'm talking about the actual middle part. The hell below, the middle is the earth, and the spirit is above. Uh, that's, what that's what they mean by that, the Middle Earth. This is it right here. In the Bible, they don't have any word really for hell. That was a Nordic word. It meant hella. It meant the dirt, the earth. And when you were, you died, you went into hell. Uh, we are here, folks. Welcome. <laughs> so someone said to me once, are we possibly the fallen angels? And who knows, maybe that's closer to the, to the mark than anything else. We do know that those in charge of us uh, give the appearance of being a different species almost, and the fringe groups run off and, and chase all kinds of weird stuff to do with this fringeness, this differentness, this uh, alternate type personality, because they don't understand the psychopathic nature of the people at the top, uh, that just like pedigree poodles have been bred through thousands of years uh, not to have the same emotions as the rest of the public. That's what the difference is. They're very clinical in their approach to analysis of things. They're very cunning as well. And that's a gift of the psychopath. If you take their DNA samples, it's just the same as everyone else's. Uh, they don't turn into fish or tadpoles or anything bigger and stranger than that. They are the deviant creation in that they are radically different. They're anti-human. As, as we know it, what humanity is. They have no caritas or love for all within them. They, they lack those qualities. They live through their progeny they're, because they're egotists. They truly do like to bless their sons. They see their sons as almost a reincarnation of themselves. 
knowing that they can pass on the power and wealth over the public, over nations and countries, and now the world, to their own offspring, and in a form they live forever through their offspring, through their progeny. And they do believe in selective breeding. The big question is, who keeps the genealogies to match them all up? Because they don't pick their own wives. They're not just marriages of convenience where wealth marries wealth. They also really go into the personality types of the families in great detail to match them up and get specific qualities from the outcome, from the child that will be born. And just like animals, you can breed qualities in or out of a human. That's the reality behind it. We live in a eugenics program, and it's all around us. I hear the music coming up, and I'll be back after the following messages. Hi, Alan Watt back here with Cutting Through the Matrix. Just going through some of the realities that have been presented to us, which many people swallow at birth and never question, because the answers have been given to them through their holy books and their teachings. Everything that happens, therefore, in life, they're down the road to them. They compare to their teachings to see if it's proper or in God's hands or the deity's hands or whatever it happens to be. And that's their guidepost on through life. Uh, all the holy books have similar qualities in them of basic rules, basic rules to make a society at least get along with each other without killing each other and killing your neighbors, which is really the purpose of religion. However, your religion has always been usurped by those who are a bit more cunning, as I say, the psychopathic crew that gravitate into it. And we forget that before parliaments and governments were established as such, not so long ago, uh, the religious bodies were the governments of those countries. And the same noble families would either put sons into the military to become knights and commanders, or they'd send a son off into the church, and he'd become a bishop or an archbishop or something. And that's how they controlled the world. So did the ancient Egyptians. Nothing really has changed. If you go into ancient Egypt, you'll find that a pharaoh would give his sons out to other knights uh, in the area. They had satrapies, areas which they'd conquered and taken over and put in their princes. And they would put in, they'd, they'd put their son in charge or under the charge of one of these knights, these princes, to raise the child. And that was his apprenticeship into the system, apart from his family, but raised inside the same kind of conditions of that system, the noble system, that was to ensure that he took on the qualities of the system, because a son sometimes will not respect his own father. This same system was brought into Europe much, much later with the Norman invasion, because they did exactly the same thing. They would send uh, their sons out to other lords to be raised as squires and eventually to become knights because he might not respect his father, but he tended to respect someone who was related, uh, but not of the same exact exact blood or DNA stock. Nothing changes down through the ages. We tend, when we read the average history book, that's presented to, uh, to the children in school, this um, very thin thing they call a history book, uh, with, with dates and titles and names of people who killed and dominated over other peoples. 
we tend to think that history just evolved piecemeal along the way, but nothing can be further from the truth. Even if you look into Alexander the Great and you see that Aristotle, of all people, was his mentor. And Aristotle was married himself to one of the biggest moneylenders in the ancient world from the Middle East, even in those days. They're all tied together. They always have been tied together. And they all belong to the same families, ultimately. Alexander the Great was raised in philosophy, the philosophies which used to be a religion kept for a minority and taught in secrecy to a minority because it was a wisdom collected down through the ages which gave power to the individual who understood the wisdom. It gave power over other peoples. It gave understanding into the natures of peoples that you would rule over. And it came all the way from ancient Egypt and, and before Egypt, in fact. It wasn't until, as I say, the Stoics eventually came out as hermits and traveled across uh, other lands that they began to teach this to other peoples just before the Roman invasion of the Middle East. And that's where the whole idea of salvation and personal salvation came from. It came from a, an actual um, ancient philosophical society and not just through a Christian society. Much of the Christian version uh, is a repetition of the old stoical uh, outlook and mystery religion. Hello, I think Mike in New York's on the air. Are you there, Mike? Hi, Alan. Hello, Mike. Hey, good evening, Alan. Are you there? Yep. Alan? Yes. Y yes, good evening. Um, Alan, a, a, lady, a lady called into uh, one of the other RBN shows recently, very distraught, it seemed, at the fact that... Uh, you appear to be uh, undermining, if not destroying, uh, daily held belief systems that she and, and probably many others have, have uh, built their whole lives around. Uh, yeah. I would guess, especially in the areas of, of religion, uh, you know, democracy, patriotism, etc., mm -hmm. uh, without providing realistic alternatives. And um, I have to say, Although I tend to agree with most of what you say, and it's it's a fascinating stuff, I think she may have a point, regardless of whether these belief systems are are uh, myth or not. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, these are these are structures you're talking about. Exactly. These are structures, and I'm well aware of that. However, however, here's the problem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the problem is these structures are falling apart even though people are clinging to them. Exactly. Like a, a life raft, and they have not been given a replacement. So therefore, they turn rather murderous when, when you're showing them they must pick another way to, to overcome yeah. drowning. <laughs> yes, yeah, you know, that was going to be my next point. Um, you said yourself, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that uh, when Nietzsche made the statement that God was dead, the powers that be I didn't provide any alternative you know, apart from nihilism, hedonism, etc. Yeah. In a similar vein, uh, when people have to get through the day in this system, uh, yeah. you know, like they've got to make money, they've got to provide for family, etc. What, what realistic, pragmatic alternative are you proposing yeah. that doesn't entail, mm -hmm. you know, completely throwing up one's hands 
heading yeah, to the is. hills what, and heading to the cave until it all comes crashing down. Yeah, well, well it's going to crash down regardless. See, that's what I'm trying to tell people. Yeah, but wouldn't they... Here's, here's the thing. Wouldn't here's they be the old, off? All the old paradigms are gone. Yeah. All the old paradigms are gone. We have repertoires. This is what they call it yeah. in behaviorism, in psychology. We have repertoires of behavior in our minds, yeah. in, in our memory banks. And when an environment changes and the system changes, we automatically go through these repertoires for something in the past that fitted, and we grab it, hoping that's going to save us. And this time, we don't have one. That's yeah. just it. And because the public have been kept in the dark about what's really happening in such an incredibly immense fashion, this is the biggest... This generation has been totally kept in the dark as the big movements that around them are happening, uh, the real purposes of integration, and not just integration, that's not the end of it. You can't bury your head in the sand and say, I don't want to hear this. Yep. If you don't want to hear it, switch on something that's familiar, sure, that okay. gives you comfort, yep. and that's what most of them do. Okay. Um, but for those who can come through this yep. and who will come through this, they have to face it squarely and understand yep. what's coming down the pike and start to make ripples around them in their own environment. And this is already happening with a lot of the teachings I've given out. There are, there are people meeting all over this world, discussing these topics for the first time openly, and actually asking questions for the first time. Rather than have someone in a, in a fancy frock giving them the answers according to a book, uh, they, they're actually asking questions for themselves and discussing it. And that's how you start movements off that alter the course of the world because we can't keep the system as it is. It's not ours anyway. Mm -hmm. We're helpless in it. If one man gets up uh, at, the, at the head of the Federal Reserve and tells you your dollar is worth diddly squat one day, <laughs> uh, which can happen, uh, well, how much power or how much does your holy book save you there? Yeah, it won't save you. That will probably happen uh, uh, kind of quite soon, in fact. <laughs> Yeah, and, and what we must do is not react the way that they expect yeah. us all to react yeah. because people are going to be faced with two choices. That's to do exactly as they're told as they're herded along into the big cities where they're, they're run by authorities from birth to death or they start round, turning around and do, doing something they haven't tried for thousands of years and that's helping each other. Yeah, so um, I, um, I guess... Uh, you know what I mean? Could your philosophy be sort of boiled down to um, th the pure form of Christianity, you know, when you say to help each other, you know? Do you realize how scared people are today? Without it, the religious aspect? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, there's no choice here. We, have, we literally have no choice. Yeah. Because the big boys have planned what they see as the future, and they have all the techniques ready to make it happen. Uh, if the public can't turn around and help each other right off the bat when this all comes down, then they will do as they're told like robots. They will go off into the camps as they're told. They will be separated from their own children. That's already been discussed if you've looked mm -hmm. at some of the high-priority papers that sure. have been published. And so we're looking at an absolute hell, which is part of the next millennium for the global control. And we have the choice of going along with them, where we have no, we have supposedly yeah. safety but, uh, or security, but no freedom. Yeah, um, if you had to make a, if you had to make a guess, uh, is it more likely to be a 
gradual uh, process or will it be a um, will it be a, um, a sort of a catalyst in the near future yeah. that really pushes things the catalyst is already here now yeah. this stuff is being discussed and it really is taking off fast and uh, that's all it has to do it's not a matter of me saying what must happen no, I'll no. leave that to other people no, I mean, however I can always yeah. point the way no I mean there's a talk of uh, there's talk of possibly like another 9-11 type event yeah. in the near future um, I've no doubt they'll bring something on in the near future Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. probably that, or I, yeah. I, I imagine it's more like to, to be plagues, because okay. if it's just this, they've conditioned mm-hmm. us through television, it's yeah. going to happen, and yeah. that would be the ideal way to corral people into the new habitat areas or the overcrowded cities. Okay, Alan, thanks a lot. Okay. Appreciate it. Yeah, and th- yeah, that's what's happening. Uh, as I say, it's not up to me to dictate to people how to live or what to do, I can just show away and leave it to others because we have no choice except to start discussing and debating all these points quickly. It is happening. It's a different way. It's the only way which doesn't point fingers at other people for all the problems in the world. If you want to know who the problem in the world is, look in the mirror because we're all the same problem. We love to blame others and project onto someone else all our our failures and uh, misgivings. But really, we are in charge if we want to take it up. The banner is down. Each banner is your own. You lift it up and you raise it high. That's what we're here to do. Because you are your own champion at the end. Uh, And also, people who are terrified of their own lives, uh, once you understand what's really happening and look at it squarely in the face, your terror gradually subsides. We're all going to die one day, hopefully not all at the same time, but the way it's been in the past, with one here and there, down through the years, uh, that's the natural way. When you get over your fear of death, and immediate death, which is what the elite are always pushing, uh, an immediate annihilation, you start to reason for yourself and start thinking things through. Because it's your quality of life and how far you can go with life that, that matters, ultimately. Living life in fear and panic uh, is not living at all. That's, that's, that's not living at all. That's, that's the walking dead. Uh, and that's what this abusive system has given us. It's a system based on abuse. We're kept on edge from birth, right through schooling, right through the competitive market of employment and what they call success or failure uh, or, or marriages and all the other stuff that falls apart because... All the old institution has been under attack by those who ruled it and gave it to us in the first place. They're bringing down the old structure as they build the new. They will not allow both to coexist together. And people have to, as I say, stop looking in their repertoires for what worked before. Those things which worked before only worked in their own sphere, in their own time. Each age has a new paradigm and you have to adapt to a new one you've got to find it first and make it work and this time it has to be from yourselves and not from those that you bow down to you've got to stop bowing down to these creeps at the top it's about time isn't it it's time we got up off our knees and stopped admiring these people that strut around arrogantly and pretend they know a lot more than we do
you don't give you don't give your will to someone else by voting for them over and over and over again when you see what they've done through past experiences. Politics is a con game. A con game always was a con game. It's a punch and duty show for the public to believe in because the public can't think past the guy they love and the guy they hate. That's nature, and it's played up in politics. The media tells you who to hate. It's a wrestling match for the public. Giant haystack versus the mountain man. That's all it is. The mountain man's going to steal your pensions. The other guy is going to keep them. That's what I was done. You're told who to vote for, ultimately. And the public are very obliging with this. The Royal Institute for International Affairs is a parallel government. It runs the show. The men at the top, the presidents, the prime ministers, are all picked members from the Council on Foreign Relations, which is just the American branch of the Royal Institute for International Affairs. The, the prime ministers of Australia, same thing. They're members of the Australian Institute for International Affairs. New Zealand, same thing again. Members of the New Zealander Institute for International Affairs. This has been here for over a hundred years. And the politics beneath them is just a show for the public and a little contest for the different parties that want to get up to the top. This limited competition, really, in politics. That's the reality of the world. That's the world that goes on around us. And the media gives it the spin. The media is the middleman to keep us all in this menagerie of fantasy they call politics. You find it in the writings of the founding fathers, and Thomas Jefferson said it. He said, when you see an agenda continue, when the houses are changed, meaning from different uh, sides of the Congress, when you saw that an agenda continue, he says, you know you are under a secret form of tyranny. That's been happening for a long time. I'll be back after these following messages. Hi folks, it's Alan Watt, back here again with Cutting Through the Matrix. And I think we have Gary from Illinois on. Are you there, Gary? Hello, Alan. Hello. Um, I know you're running out of time, just two quick questions. Um, the Book of Revelations. Who wrote that book? I don't think it was that guy named John. No. It, it, it is, in a sense, if you understand the meaning of John. It's to do with meanings, it's not people. And John, uh, of course, is also Eon, the age, you know. Oh, okay. And, and so uh, you, you have basically the book of the age. Uh, it's, do, it's also um, astronomical once again. Uh, the meanings contained within Revelations are purely based on uh, the astronomical rotations of the zodiac. Once more, it's the same thing all through the Bible, in fact, even with all the characters. Even with Jesus, with the twelve disciples, is Jesus and, and the twelve constellations and the sun traveling through them at different times of the year. And Scorpio stings him in the fall, that's a kiss of death, and then he hangs on the cross for three days in midwinter and rises again. It's all the same stuff done through the ages, including the twelve tribes of Israel. But Revelations is a revealing, it was written by the mystery religion, uh, the ancient um, and pre-Gnostics, really, uh, who lived along that whole region, Oh, and they were philosophers. They knew the, the, the religions of the philosophies uh, that come in to that land from Greece uh, during the times of Alexander, because Alexander brought a lot of them with them. 
and they stayed. Uh, at the same time, you had the Essenis and the Nasenis who moved in, who were pseudo-Egyptian priests who brought the same mystery religions of Pythagoras with them. And they're written in a clouded language for the profane not to understand, and that's why the profane argue and kill each other over it even today. <laughs> no kidding. Um, and this is a really an odd one. Who created the Rothschilds? Because when you read about that guy in history, you get one date, his name, and all of a sudden he's a big banker. Who backed him? Well, the thing is, you have the grandmother's version from the Morton book. That's the authorized version by the grandma Rothschild, who really oh. is the big boss, you know. And, uh, and, and it's a big, it's a fictitious story. Uh, these characters were picked in Hamburg. They, they trained in the best banks in Hamburg. They were not peasants at all. All the stuff about them being rag collectors, uh, rags to riches, that's the joke, you know, that's where it came from. And coin collectors is nonsense. They, they were the best trained bankers, trained by uh, a European aristocracy who owned those banks and always had done. And they, they trained them to manage the other banks. And therefore, the five sons from old Anshul were sent across to take over those banks. Not one of those five sons was assassinated. That's all the evidence you need to know. They were brought in by the aristocracy to manage the affairs. You know, Alan, uh, great show, great job, and I will be getting you books as soon as I can get that check up there. Well, thanks very much for saying so. Thanks. Have a good one. Yeah. And that's really the, how, how history is. When things don't make perfect sense, you've got to go deeper and figure things out for yourself. Then you'll start to find the answers. Now, I hear the music coming along, so... For myself, Alan Watts, and Hamish, my dog, me or God, or your gods, go with you. I'll see you on Wednesday.